Welcome to In the Lead with UCEA, bringing you pivotal conversations with people making an impact on educational leadership preparation, practice, and policy. I'm Monica Bern Jimenez, Executive Director of the University Council for Educational Administration. In today's episode, we hear from Dr. Bonnie Fezzarelli, Program Coordinator for North Carolina State University's Educational Leadership and Educational Evaluation and Policy Analysis Program. She is also the Director of NC State's Leadership Academies. She shares with us how NC State incorporated diversity and equity into its program redesign efforts. How did this group of stakeholders address their community's unique equity dynamics? What kind of progress did they make and how did they measure it? Listen to find out. Welcome to In the Lead, Bonnie, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Monica, for having me. And thank you for allowing me to represent all the faculty at NC State to tell you about the really exciting work that we've been doing. I'm just really honored to share it with you today. Well, that's a great place to start. So how did the faculty at NC State decide to pursue this initiative? NC State, we've been working on trying to build a better principal preparation program for a long time. And when the Wallace UPPI opportunity came up, we were invited to apply and we went after it full force. We worked on the proposal collaboratively so that everybody felt a part of the initiative. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we were just really excited to have an opportunity to truly partner with districts and have some money in the game. So we could do the things that we couldn't do previously as far as really building partnerships. So sort of building and strengthening the work that had already been going on. That's right. That's right. That's fabulous. We really wanted to focus in on your diversity and equity efforts. Yeah. Because we've heard so much about them. And so I guess maybe to start with the process that you engaged in to develop a shared definition of equity and diversity with your partners, maybe even internally to your faculty. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me first start with my why, hmm. because I think that is what anchors all of our work is for each of us to know why do we engage in the equity work. And for me, it's my faith. Mm. And it really has to do with my faith commitment to social justice and equity as part of our moral tenant. So I think that through having that driver, we all view in our program equity as something that we're compelled to do and to make the society a little bit better through our efforts, however small they may be. And I think that we also really work hard to recognize our own biases mm -hmm. that we have and that we bring to the space and being very aware of that because we all have bias, but it's about seeing how our bias impacts other people and hurts other people and how can we tap that down and exchange that for ways that we're building up people. And I think really, Monica, the, the main way we've done that is really focusing on humility. And so we are really open to the idea that we're all flawed people. <laughs> and so by focusing in on that instead of perfection, mm. that really helps us to recruit the right kind of students. And so you asked about how did we create a collective vision for this? And I think the first thing is we hired great people. Mm. So our faculty 
when we interviewed, we were up, this is what we do. We go out to the field. We go out to the historically underserved communities. We do work in service that may not be recognized by traditional academic measures of success. And if you're not on board with that, then you're not going to be happy here. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we found some really fabulous people <laughs> who were totally on board with that. Right. And we really started to build that collective vision of excellence through some of our design studio process that we did with the Wallace Foundation money, Mm. working with our district partners. And as part of that, we said, what does a great principal need to know and be able to do? And that's beyond just what do the national state standards say? Mm -hmm. Because that's not enough, right? right? We really wanted to focus in on what is that heart of a leader? Mm -hmm. How do you get to breakthrough practices instead of just best practices? Mm -hmm. How do you really show up for other human beings? And I think with having those discussions, we really were able to formulate this collective understanding of what we really are trying to do is to help individuals become the type of people Mm -hmm. that in their practice that are welcoming to all people that serve a community that they embrace wholly and really see their leadership as community leadership, not just school leadership. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking a lot, but, you know, I think for us, that shared vision goes beyond just our partner districts. We start with recruiting our students around that vision. Mm -hmm. So just last night, I was actually doing a recruiting event. And at the end of our, like, here's our bells and whistles, why you want to come to our program, we talked to them about, like, you have to make sure our program's the right fit for you. Because mm-hmm. we're going to push you. We're going to challenge you. Right. And so we have this series of statements that we use. We'll say, we are a community of educators. Here, I'll just give you an example really quickly. We are a community of educators who try to be good people, doing good in the world by improving schools and making a difference in the lives of our students our families, and our communities. So if you believe, Mm -hmm. then you belong with us. We strive to be gracious and generous. You also are that way. You belong with us. We think and live our values. We speak up when we see injustice. If you believe that, you belong with us. And I think one of the big ones, I said humility earlier, and we have this on the screen in big print, right? We believe leadership is a privilege. And with privilege comes big responsibilities. Mm And so if you're like us, you believe to whom much is given, much is expected, then you belong with us. Mm -hmm. So we start with making sure our students, before they even apply, are oriented to the mission that we are collectively on at NC State as a faculty. So going back to what we were discussing about why this initiative, why this universal commitment, really we had deep discussions about what is our legacy? Mm -hmm. We have as some of our core readings, Dale Carnegie and Stephen Covey, and really getting at what is your legacy mm. that you're leaving in this world? And I think by deeply diving into that, we all collectively came to an understanding about this importance. And it doesn't hurt to have several research faculty who their work is really focused on this. You know, Ana Egalite has done some incredible work about race matching right. with teachers and students. And so they help us stay really rich in the most current literature. And our district partners all see equity as a really important topic for their schools. Yeah, and I think I'm really struck by it the importance of actually what you started off with, which was humility. Because I think humility allows us to embrace a learning stance, right? Like there's so much I have to learn about myself, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. but then to learn from others. And that's usually not the 
positions that institutions of higher education put themselves in with partnership with school districts. That's true. And so was there any sort of internal dialogue or negotiation that had to happen to really begin to see your partners as true equals in this work? Our district partners? You know, to be completely candid, when we first launched our leadership programs, before we got the Wallace Foundation money, we didn't go in right away with, hey, we're all about social justice and equity. But mm-hmm. We were working in some of the highest needs districts in the state, but they had had experiences with people from the state mm-hmm. showing up and there really just wasn't a lot of trust. And so we really focused in hard on building that trust first right. and modeling that. So, for example, we would have course assignments where they had to do an equity audit or they had to break out their student attendance data by race. And believe it or not, that was something that had never been done in some of our district partners. Mm. And by starting slowly with these assignments, and then we built in a component where their mentor principals could come and join some of our training and they would get continuous education credit for that. Mm-hmm. So the resident, we call our interns residents, the resident and the principal were learning together and were exposed to the same kinds of ideas. We also did work by having the superintendents in these small rural counties come together for periodic meetings with really good food served so we could get them to show up. And importantly, we did work with the school boards. So we have on our faculty, former superintendents, former state superintendents, and they delivered some professional development to our partner school boards around competency-based hiring, around looking at what do you want value-based leadership, what kind of values does the district have? And that really helped plant the seed. Now, all this doesn't happen overnight, right? right? It takes a long time to build these relationships. It takes a long time for them to know we're going to show up. And I think we finally knew we had arrived (laughs) with those district partners when one of our superintendents who was retiring sent me an email. And he said, some folks come out here, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have Mm -hmm. the right for me, but he says, (laughs) some folks come out here to Northeast North Carolina because they need to get their research done or they want to be a do-gooder and do something for a short amount of time. And he said, but not NC State. You guys have stayed. Mm. You guys have committed to our communities Mm -hmm. and you guys are making a difference. And you get feedback like that. You're like, oh yeah, we're driving up to Northeast (laughs) North Carolina. No problem. I'm going to go help in any way that I can. And so we've been working with some of those districts for well over a decade and have had the time to build that trust. But we have other districts that are new. So you have to build those relationships and build that trust with those districts as well. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a really powerful statement from that superintendent. And I think it goes to my next question, which is about the impact of your equity work on your redesign efforts or vice versa. It's almost like Mm -hmm. they're in conversation with each other, right? But what has been the impact of that work? So I think some of the most important things, Monica, was that we've always recognized that you can't just put equity in one course, Mm -hmm. Because then it's just like that one professor cares about it or that one course is dedicated to it. And that really getting into the level of deep changes of heart and mindset that we need, you really have to scaffold those experiences. Mm. And so one of the things that the UPPI initiative allowed us to do was to have the time and space to be very purposeful about what that sequence would look like and what that exposure would be. And so we start really early with building trust, 
with practicing humility through gratitude. Mm. So like literally they leave orientation and they have an assignment to write a thank you note to either somebody who made it possible for them to be there that day. So like family, a person, a mentor that told them to go apply, whatever it might be, or somebody who helped make the event happen. Mm. And so we start from the very beginning practicing. We actually even buy them a, from the Dollar Tree, a book of <laughs> thank you notes. <laughs> because we're like, handwritten is better. And here's how you write it. So these things, you have to actually direct teach and so we actually model, here's how you write that. Here's what you should say. If you don't have good handwriting or if you're dyslexic like I am, how do you work around that? But yeah, gratitude for as part of that attitude is really important. So again, like I said, we know it couldn't be a standalone course. And so we started looking at how do we sequence and scaffold that. And part of that was working with our partners. So I think that the big impact has been an overarching focus and scaffolding of experiences across the program that focus on equity. So we start with baby steps. Like I said a minute ago, we start with the baby steps about like have an attitude of gratitude. And that gets you closer to recognize that we don't do things on our own, mm. that, you know, we're part of a village that, you know, yeah, you might feel like you made it here by yourself because of your hard work, but the truth is, nah, you didn't. And so we start with that. And then we scaffold in the, we have a little mini equity retreat that is like a first exposure. And we try to make sure that it's in a local place that has historic significance. So for example, when we were working in Northeast North Carolina, and we still are, but we use the Franklinton Center at Bricks. It was a former slave plantation that was known as a place where they broke unruly slaves. Right. And after the Civil War, it became the first accredited African-American school mm. in North Carolina. Then it was converted to a seminary, and then it was converted to a retreat center. So we really viewed holding our retreat on that really sacred ground about where the true history, this true local history happened. Let's talk about how that impacts schools and society today. As we've expanded our partnerships, my colleague, Dr. Karen Anderson, just put together a training with one of our cohort directors, Teresa Pieri, and they changed that whole design of that equity retreat to focus on Greensboro and the Greensboro sit-ins, mostly because that was the area that our people came from. And so the UPPI initiative gave us the space to start thinking like that. How do we make sure our folks connect to the local history, including like former schools that were closed when schools were integrated and what were the histories of the schools that were closed and what happened to them? And I think just being really aware of the impact, not just race, but all otherness, if you could, really impacts us as society. You know, it's really easy to zone in on race because in North Carolina, race is the thing. But we also have equity issues around gender and around sexual orientation, about ableism, and making sure that we have sequenced trainings that each time we push them a little bit more, push them a little bit more. And we've created this space that's safe, for lack of a better word. I know that people say, oh, safe space, but it's a space where we have grown together. And so by growing together, you can be more vulnerable and talk about things like, how do you act as a equity warrior when you come from a family that is racist? How do you have courage, but tact? Because if you're leading this work and you're ruffling a lot of feathers, we wanna make sure you're employed long enough to actually make an impact. So how do you lead with grace so that people can receive your message and be heard? And so things like that, how do you balance 
outrage and disgust for racist histories and ableist histories with a need for people to start working with people where they are. Mm-hmm. And so I think the UPPI initiative gave us the time to just kind of sit back and think about those things. And the beauty of that is other people can learn from our failures. <laughs> so one of the big things that we've learned is whenever you have a very profound learning experience that's linked to the core of who your students are, their core values, their core beliefs, you have to have something that happens afterwards that does healing. Hmm. And not just healing like me as an individual, although we do do that, but healing as a cohort and healing as a community of learners. For somebody to risk opening up saying, hey, I grew up hearing this, this, this in my household. I can't go home and say, I'm doing this. We're like, oh yeah, you can, but let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm kind of rambling on that. But I think the point is we try to get to the point where we can have really deep conversations, including Monica, conversations about intra-race racism. We talk about the paper bag test for African-American sororities that you used to have. We talk about one of our graduates who's an African-American male that went to work for a faculty that were all white females. How does race play a role in your leadership in that situation? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that vulnerability piece mm-hmm. that comes with humility. Yeah. And I think those are all really powerful sort of learning approaches, that stance of, of everything that you've talked about. And I think they're also really important leadership approaches. And so I'm wondering what you've seen perhaps change or improve in your district partners that reflects that learning approach that you have all integrated into your redesign. I love that question because things as basic as tracking in-school suspensions or out-of-school suspensions for that matter, absences, et cetera, by race is something our folks had never done. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of our original partners doing equity audits, talking about asset-based thinking, asset-based practices were things that were not showing up in a lot of our partner districts prior to, at least we weren't exposed to them. So let me preface that by saying that I didn't see it, but I'm, you know, there always are some people that are working on these things, always some great people. So I think for us, we really saw a lot of our district partners start to have a little bit more courage mm. to engage in those conversations publicly. One of our proudest examples is Edgecombe County, where they did an entire process where they brought together the community about what do we want for our kids? Let's talk about how racism and all the other isms have impacted their ability to learn at high quality. And they've just have done some amazing work Mm. to build community and practice. And the students' test scores even though I hate to use that as the only metric, have really reflected that. But more importantly, things like student absenteeism has gone down, student suspension rates have gone down, et cetera. So those are the metrics we care a little bit more about. Mm. I think one of the things I'm hearing you say too is that in some ways the work never ends. Oh yeah, doesn't it? And so in thinking about your redesign efforts, how have some of those conversations within the faculty evolved or how have some of your practices or course sequences evolved since you've begun this work? So within the faculty, we went through and literally got post-it notes and the big post-it notes and the little post-it notes and put up on the wall, Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do summer 
fall, spring, and, and mapped out what were the experiences, the topics, et cetera, that we want them to learn. And I think any program can do that. You don't need funding to do that, right? You can sit there and really be intentional about what do you want your students to learn and be intentional about spiraling, spiraling that curriculum so that you know that things that are difficult, like equity and social justice conversations, happen, reoccur regularly, almost every time you see us, we're going to be talking something about it. And so I think that's one thing. We worked together. Our team was willing to say, I'm not just teaching my course. I'm a part of this program. And you heard me call them team because we don't refer to our faculty or I don't think my friends do either that I work with. We don't go, oh, we're the faculty. We say we're the team. We're the educational leadership team. And I think by viewing that as a teamwork, we really have been able to take it from coursework to program. Mm -hmm. Another practice that we do, Monica, that's just no cost, anybody can do it, is that at the end of every semester, we have the professors who taught that semester, be they adjunct or, you know, a core research faculty, have a conversation with the professors that are teaching that same group of students the next semester. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, again, no cost except for your time, but by doing that, it ensures continuity and it ensures, hey, this student needs to be pushed a little bit more around on this. They're struggling with that. And so every professor, I mean, you know, there's pros and cons to that, right? If you know something about somebody coming in, you might be biased. But if you have a good group of people with good hearts that are taking that as an opportunity to help that person learn and grow, mm-hmm. then it's super powerful because then they can start from a more advanced than just Hi, my name is Bonnie. I am your teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, you've talked a lot about how you model equity and justice work. And I think what you're talking about now is also modeling a lot of care for the growth and development of your students who are going to be the leaders that you hope to partner with down the road, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's about creating those trusting relationships that allow you to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And as faculty, we keep the need for us to continue to learn and grow doesn't end either, right? Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been great hearing what your team has been doing at NC State. I've heard bits and pieces of it, but it was wonderful to see it sort of it, its totality and the potential that you're creating with all your partners. So thanks so much, Bonnie, for sharing your experiences with us and, you know, be great to have you back someday to tell us more. Well, I really appreciate that. And we're always happy at NC State to share our learning. We're a land grant university. We're not perfect, but we can tell you where we messed up and where we got it right and share our strategies, most of our cohorts and majority minority cohorts. And how do we do that? And we invite anybody who would like to come to help us with candidate assessment day, (laughs) because we need a lot of people with eyes on these potential future leaders that are changing the trajectory of lives in our society. And so anyway, can you tell I love my work and I love my team? I really do. And I love getting to talk to you because you're one of my academic rock star heroes or Shiro. (laughs) Um, And so thank you so much for the honor of this time and this space. And again, I'm happy people reach out. If we can be of service in any way, we're more than glad to be. Thanks, Bonnie. It's been great. We'd like to thank the Wallace Foundation for their support of this podcast and you, our listeners, for your commitment to improving educational leadership and policy to create equitable, ethical, and socially just outcomes for each child.